0: Hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm ready to go. I'm trusting you are, too. We are live on the app, on the website. We're live on YouTube. I'm looking at people. Uh, This is pretty cool seeing people from all over the world. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Watching several different places in Canada, the UK. um, uh, It's uh, pretty awesome. All over the United States. Thanks for joining us. We're also live on Roku and live on Facebook. And uh, listen, wherever you are, hey, before we get going, we have a really good one for you today. I believe it's going to connect with all of us as we're looking at when God crashes the party, because he's about ready to crash the party in Daniel chapter 5. You might be aware of that. It's with Belshazzar. He's celebrating. He's taking the things of God, decided to give a party with the things that were set aside for the worship of God. It was mockery. It was uh, just a terrible thing that he had done. and so God says, I'm not putting up with this nonsense from this guy. He may think he's king, but I'm king of kings. And God crashes the party. And looks like God's about ready to crash the party here. But listen, before here on this planet, uh, but before we get going with that, uh, listen, we've got a really good video for you guys. And keep this in mind. We're going to show it to you. It's short. I think it's less than a minute long. But it's a reminder. And it was uh, Chad from Walk by Faith not by sight, by his Instagram. He had posted it. I think it really sends a, a great message to anyone who recognizes, you know what? It is the word of God that gives us life. So check out this short video. so I look at this and think man the video you guys just saw and what a great reminder it is for you and me to cherish God's word you know we still have it available in the western world and I think we forget how fortunate we really are and it's this word that gives us life it's a light unto our path and it gives us the prophetic word 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 it's a light that shines in the darkness and we live in a very dark world I think of Those Christians that you just saw in China, man, how blessed they are, and they know it, to have God's Word. Have we forgotten? Uh, Do we understand how blessed we are to have God's Word? One of the areas I would challenge people when it comes to Bible prophecy, and obviously if you're here uh, with this message now, uh, Sunday evening here on the west coast of the United States, we go through the Word. So you guys are here, you want the Word, but so often what happens in the prophecy circles is, man, just give me the exciting stuff, which we're going to get to. Uh, because we, we can understand when we look at the events through the lens of the Bible, we can connect with things. But we got to make sure that we have the Bible. We need to remember, above all else, that Jesus gives us life. He has come to forgive us of our sins. And Jesus is coming back. Of that video that Chad from Walk by Faith, Not by Sight posted, he wrote this, Chinese Christians that come into possession of a Bible in a country where jail or even worse can happen for owning a Bible. They are overjoyed with such reverence for God's word when they lay their hands on a Bible. In our country, where the persecution comparatively is nothing, we own two or three Bibles and don't even come close to the same attitude. I want to be so filled with joy to study his word and read it, uh, study it and knowing the gift that I have been given through his son. Amen. Well said, Chad, and, you know, just looking at this, just a reminder, as we get going, like I said, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 5. We're going to connect some dots, and uh, we're going to start connecting some dots um, right now as a matter of fact. As we look at, God is about ready to crash the party. So consider these words, how Lindsay recently wrote, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus admonished us to discern the times. That means paying attention to what's coming or what's going on, study and apply God's word and pray about everything today. We see signs of distress all over the world. We can see in real time things the Bible long ago told us about, and it's not pretty, lawlessness, moral confusion, slander, deception, hedonism, uncontrolled rage, and cruelty fill our sight lines. These things are no longer theoretical events to be analyzed from a distance. They are happening all around us. And they can be scary. They can be, if you don't know your Bible. If you know the Bible, we, we have light in the darkness, and we can be encouraged. We don't have to be afraid, and we don't have to be worried. In fact, we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be worried. <clears throat> but concerning the decline of American world government, on July fourth, World Net Daily journalist Bob Unra wrote an article about Justin Haskins' warning. That America could lose its independence before the 2024 election. Damon Duck uh, noted, uh, uh, made some notes regarding that WorldNet Daily article. And then he noted within the past couple of months, he said this, and you know, we've heard this, but he's seen it again as a reminder. The World Health Organization wants, <clears throat> excuse me, a, glo- a global code of conduct, a global digital passport, a global digital currency, a global Digital health record, a global, a glo- a global digital health certification, uh, certification network. I mean, you look at all of this; it's all global to control the masses. The World Health, uh, the, excuse me, the World Economic Forum wants holy books written by artificial intelligence. We've seen that. The International Monetary F- Fund wants a global digital currency and transaction data. Isn't inter- it interesting? When you look at all of this, it's all this global thing. Uh, This global government is forming right before our eyes. The United Nations wants a global digital ID linked to everyone's bank account, a seven-year covenant with many to bring in a one-world government. And then, Damon Duck notes, Emmanuel Macron wants a global tax. Unless God intervenes, the world is on the brink of a world government and the tribulation period. Listen, God is going to intervene. I mean, he could intervene and stop everything. And then uh, just do a redo. I don't think it's going to happen because what the Bible actually portrays when it comes to the last days, which we are rapidly entering into, uh, the tribulation is not far off, which means the rapture is not far off. And when you start looking at all of these events, according to what the, the way the Bible describes them, they're only going to increase in frequency and intensity as we get closer to that time, like birth pains upon a pregnant woman. They're going to happen faster and faster. So as we look at everything that's taking place, it's a reminder, just like it was in Daniel chapter 5, which we'll see in a minute, God is about ready to crash the party, and it's going to be crashed with a rapture where we're going to be going up, and the tribulation that is going to be coming upon uh, the planet. And in the meantime, things are going to continue to happen faster and faster. Things that were in the news today are going to be old news within a few more days, And that is the way things are going. Duck writes, people need to pay attention where we spend eternity uh, because where we spend eternity could be at stake and the church is running out of time to be salt and light. Uh, Indeed, it is. And folks, um, I want to encourage you to be prepared. All right. Lots of talk about different things is out there. One more thing I want to show you and then we're going to get into Daniel chapter five. If you guys could pull up slide number two with the red heifer, check this out. So here, here it is, biblical red heifer could bring million uh, visitors to Samaria. Um, when, when you look at this, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, it's been on the news a lot over the last few days. This particular article that you're looking at here came at, uh, from Jewish News Syndicate, and this uh, they're, they're saying, hey, um, there's all kinds of people who are Christian that they think are going to flock to Israel to see the red heifer. So why is that? Well, in Numbers, I believe it's Numbers chapter 19, you have the uh, the instruction for the ashes of the red heifer that are needed uh, for the cleansing of the, the worship of the temple, the temple instruments. And uh, to burn the uh, red heifer on the Mount of Olives is what the thought is As you progress to the second temple period at the time of Herod, with the worship that was going on there at that time. So, uh, so many religious people over in Israel, many religious people, not all of them, have been looking for a red heifer uh, for the purpose of a third temple uh, that is going to be built. I believe it's just a matter of time, but I do want to caution everybody on the say, okay, you got the red heifer coming. We have the Agenda 2030 meeting that's coming in September. Uh, You guys hear me talk about this a lot. We have Rosh Hashanah coming. We have the Feast of Trumpets coming. Man, the rapture is going to happen any day now. It's going to happen in August. It's going to happen in September. At the latest, listen, we live in exciting times. But what the red heifer signals to me and a temple that's going to be built, it's, it's a, it's, the antichrist Uh, the the antichrist is going to come and he's going to sit in that temple and demand to be worshiped as god and it's going to portray great uh, deceit upon the jewish world as he's going to be presented to many as the messiah so i'm very concerned about it and i want to get the warning out and say hey as you see these things developing yeah there's talk about the temple uh being built and the red heifer but concerning the turmoil in Israel and its impact on Israel's future. Let's think through this. Since January of 2023, there have been civil unrest and demonstrations in Israel over an upcoming vote on a bill to change Israel's judiciary. Israel's top judges are appointed by other judges, liberal judges have taken over the judiciary. Uh, Damon Duck uh, comments on this. He says, as I understand it, the ongoing riots and demonstrations in Israel are about two things, one, Who makes the laws in Israel, the people's elected representatives in the Knesset or a group of unelected liberal judges? Two, what kind of nation will Israel be in the future, a secular nation or a religious nation? Now here's where it comes into interest with the red heifer. According to the Bible, Israel will go back under the Mosaic law, the laws that God gave to Moses. They will rebuild the temple and they will resume the animal sacrifices. He writes this, note, some Orthodox Jews believe the Messiah will give them permission to rebuild the temple based on John chapter 5, verse 43, some prophecy teachers believe the Jews will accept Antichrist as the Messiah. They believe the covenant that is confirmed by Antichrist will give the Jews permission to rebuild the temple, and it'll be rebuilt very early in the tribulation period. That'll be after the rapture, and Israel um, uh, Israel may be taking a turn in that direction now. He writes this, are you paying attention? In addition to the riots and demonstrations being about whether Israel will be a secular nation or a religious nation in the future, here are two more events that I have written about in recent weeks. One, the Jews may soon have the ashes of red heifer that will permit them to rebuild the temple, which I mentioned. And a member of Netanyahu's ruling Likud party has submitted a bill to divide the temple mount between Muslims and Jews so the temple can be Rebuilt. The effort to rebuild the temple appears to be slowly advancing. So all that to say, folks, we live in exciting days. We live in really amazing days. And I don't know when the rapture is going to take place, but I do believe we need to get ready. But when I look at it in the light of Daniel chapter 5, let's remember that God is going to crash this party of the world. Everything is going to happen exactly as God said it would. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, God said, My spirit will not strive with man forever. Uh, We looked at that uh, when we were looking at Nebuchadnezzar, and God had brought judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar. But this message here, chapter 5, he brings judgment upon all of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, uh, Belshazzar. And what happens is, I'm not going to read all of it, but in the first four verses, what's happening is Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, he comes along, and he decides he's going to do something that his his uh, the kings before him would never do. Take the sacred instruments of God that were taken by Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, and brought back to Babylon. He was going to take those things, the drinking cups, set aside, for the worship of God and all of the other vessels. And he was gonna throw a great big massive drunken party. He didn't care, he heard threats that uh, Cyrus was out there somewhere. He wasn't concerned about the Medes and Persians because Babylon was a huge kingdom. Interesting to know, so massive was it. Pull up slide number four, uh, Noah, check this out, the outer walls Uh, were 17 miles long, the outer walls of Babylon, 17 miles long. If you could pull up that slide so everybody could read it, it would be great. Slide number four. The outer walls were 17 miles long, uh, 22 feet thick, 90 feet, there you go, you guys can see it now, 90 feet high, plus they had guard towers that were at least 100 feet high. Uh, The city gates were made of bronze with a system of inner and outer walls, and moats, so Belshazzar, he's in there, he's partying, he's got all of the instruments of God for his drunken fest that he's got going on, and what's he do? He says, I'm not gonna worry about anything, but God says, hey, guess what? Your party's done, I'm crashing your party. And in verse five, it says, in the same hour that he's got this great big party going on, fingers of a man's hand appeared, and wrote opposite the lampstand on a plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. Man, I got you. Got to love the way that is. He's so frightened by the writing on the wall that he sees. This is the hand of God writing on the wall. Just a hand. Imagine that. Nothing else. And it's writing these words. He freaks out. All of a sudden, he ain't drunk anymore. He is suddenly sober. His, his hips are out of socket and his knees start knocking together. What a great picture that is of how afraid he was. Uh, the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spoke saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever, verse seven, reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be third ruler in kingdom. Notice the first thing the king does, he doesn't look for counsel from those who have wisdom of God. He looks for the counsel of the leaders of men. It's a mistake his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar did that, but Nebuchadnezzar is able to recognize, okay, there's a God in heaven who revealed these things to you, Daniel. Daniel even told him it's the God of heaven. But you saw the progression in Nebuchadnezzar's life here with Belshazzar. This is, it's just like leaders now and people of the world now. They don't want to hear your counsel. They don't want this book found anywhere. I'm sure you guys saw the Bible burning in, in I think it's in Sweden, uh, the, uh, burning the Torah and burning the New Testament. And we're hearing about this more and more. So you look at this, and people don't want the Word of God. Uh, in fact, in churches, they don't want to hear the truth being told. They don't want to hear this being proclaimed. Now you have such things as that that crazy woman pastor up in Minnesota with the Sparkle Creed saying, well, Jesus had two dads. And she goes through this whole rainbow coalition stuff. You look, you go, man, this is bad stuff. This is what is happening in churches. Even churches don't want this. And you look, you go, man, just like Belshazzar was. He didn't want the truth. So what's he do? He calls us astrologers, soothsayers, and everything else. Now all the king's wise men, uh, the astrologers and so forth, uh, they came, but they could not read the writing or make known to king its interpretation. Then Belshazzar the king was greatly troubled; his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. I bet his countenance was changed again. His hips are out of joint. His knees are knocking. He can't get an answer, and now he's really freaking out. And the queen, because of the words, verse ten, of the king and his lords, they came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy God, and in the days of your father, is the holy God, and in the days of your father or grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, because that's really what he was, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him, and king Nebuchadnezzar, your Father, your your father, the king made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar understood. Hey, Daniel had real wisdom that came from above, and his the, the queen, who's probably Belshazzar's mom, said, "I don't understand it all, but he knew things none of your wise men know. You need to call him." So that's what that's what she does. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, and interpreting dreams. Verse twelve. Solving riddles and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give you the interpretation. Uh, so what's going on here? Just put it in a nutshell. Then we're going to get going with some more of this. Belshazzar, he's got a party going on. He thinks, okay, there's moats around Babylon. Massive walls are built around Babylon. A real, again, 17 mile long wall around Babylon. 22 feet thick, 100 feet high, guard or, or, uh, 90 foot high wall. That is massive. And a guard tower, 100 feet high, guard towers. So he's feeling safe. He says, man, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm not worried about anybody coming against me. But in the distance, the Medo-Persian king Cyrus and his army were making their way to Babylon. Nabonidus and his troops headed them off at the Tigris River, That would be Nabonidus, by the way, what he did, he appointed Belshazzar to run the kingdom while he went out to maybe expand his territory or make sure everything was strong out there. So Nabonidus is out there, Belshazzar, he's like Hunter Biden, right? He's in there just throwing a big old party, doing something nobody had ever done before, using the temple things of God, bringing them there have a big drunken fest what do we have hunter biden well let's bring all the cocaine that we can right here to the white house it's like let's bring him here let and, and let's cover for him now i think it's three times just recently cocaine has been found at the white house secret service or, or whoever it is says well we don't have a clue whose who's cocaine this could possibly be and from what i've read that's been happening for the last two years gee I'm sure it's not Hunter Biden's. But anyways, you get the idea, right? When you look at this today. So, um, Belshazzar, he's not worried about it. There's all this protection out there. Um, Nabonidus is out there. Doesn't have to worry about it. But Nabonidus, the one who appointed Belshazzar to be in charge of Babylon while he was gone, and his troops... They went to meet Cyrus at the Tigris River, but it didn't last long, and Nabonidus was forced to withdraw, and it's believed by many that he was actually captured by Cyrus, and as such, Cyrus had an open road to Babylon. And so with this, um, Belshazzar just thinks I'm safe. I've got it made. Remember the words, coming in the near future. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them. 1 Thessalonians chapter five, that's what the Bible teaches. We've got it made. We don't have to worry about anything, especially after the rapture. We got the crazy Christians out of here. They're gone now. We don't have to hear any more of this about judgment coming. That's the way Cyrus was. That's the way the leaders of this world are. They've got their World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, the UN, and every other global organization that you can think of thinking, we don't want to hear about your God. We, we don't want to hear about any judgment coming, but God crashed the party. And God's about ready to crash this party. And here in Babylon, what happens? God, with the writing on the wall, he spells it out for Daniel, Daniel is summoned, and, and Belshazzar, thinking he doesn't have anything to worry about, he throws a party. You know what that reminds me of? Also, Revelation chapter 11, what do you have? You have the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11, What do they do when they are killed by Antichrist? They lay dead in the streets of Jerusalem for three days, and suddenly while the world is watching, their bodies rise up to the heavens. What was happening before their bodies rose up to the heavens? You look at Revelation chapter 11, the world is throwing a great big party. People are exchanging gifts with one another, thinking we finally got rid of these two, got rid of the people in the rapture. We've been slaughtering people who come to Christ ever since then. We finally got rid of these two crazy prophets in Jerusalem who wouldn't shut up. Antichrist has killed them. They're throwing a great big party. It's like Christmas all over the world until suddenly their two bodies rise up into the heavens. And like Belshazzar, I bet people are going to be freaking out when that day happens. Kind of like Lee Brainerd said the other day, their knees are going to be knocking together just like this. And he goes, people are going to wet themselves. I said, Lee, nobody's ever said that on my program before, but he did. That's, but people are going to be afraid. And it's going to happen exactly as God says it will. God's going to crash the party. Verse 13, let's continue. Then Daniel was brought bef- uh, brought in before the king, King Belshazzar. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah whom my father, the king, brought in from Judah? I have heard of you that the spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's grandfather. So by this time, Daniel's a pretty old man, right? Now the wise men of uh, the astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, uh, but they could not give me the interpretation of it. Uh, And I have heard that you, you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be uh, a a ruler of the third of the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, uh, let your gifts be for yourself, and keep your rewards. Uh, give your rewards to another. In other words, I don't want any of your nonsensical, nonsensical stuff. I don't want any of your stupid robes. I don't want any of your money. I don't want any of your 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 junk. Right? Give them away to somebody else. King Belshazzar, you have huge problems, and all the money of the world ain't going to save you. And then Daniel said, "I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the ter- interpretation." O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all people's nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Uh, Remember, we saw that last time in uh, in chapter four where Nebuchadnezzar lost his kingdom. And notice here, he says, when he was full of pride, listen, pride comes before destruction. We just went through a month of pride in the Western world. This is very problematic. I have many things to share with you here in just a minute. So Nebuchadnezzar was driven from the land. And basically what Daniel's saying is, listen, Belshazzar, you think you're hot stuff. You ain't nothing compared to your father, your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and concubines, have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. Uh, but, and the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. In other words, you've mocked him. And then the fingers of the hand were sent to, uh, uh, from him, and this writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written, many, many, tickle you, farsom. There it is, the interpretation. This is it of each word. Many, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tickle, you have been weighed in the balance and, and found wanting or lacking, Peris your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with a robe of purple and put a chain of gold around his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be a third ruler in the kingdom. But that very night, Belshazzar, king of Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old." I look at that, Daniel's going, I didn't need this stupid robe. I told you I didn't even want it, and guess what? Shortly, probably, I'm guessing, maybe a few hours after the proclamation of the, that, that Daniel gives them the proclamation of the meaning of the words, many, many tickle you farce, and guess what? It's over. What, what an hour, two hours, three hours, uh, the, the Medes and Persians were there. They came under the moat that he thought was so invincible, they came in and just destroyed Babylon, and, and that was the end. It was over. The party was over. God had judged Babylon, and he sent the warning with a hand that was written on the wall. Check this out. Uh, if you could pull it, slide number 10, uh, know that would be helpful. Many, it tells us here, many signifies numeration. Tekel signifies wane. Eupharsim or fairy signifies division. Again, what's Daniel say when you look at it? Many, many tickle Eupharsim. You've been found. Uh, God says you're... Many, your kingdom is finished, you are lacking, and your, your kingdom has now been divided. It is all over. Um, listen, as, as we look at this whole thing, let's start connecting this with some things going on in our world right now. Uh, let me show you this. Uh, this first article here is, uh, uh, it's from Prophecy News Watch. It's a slide number seven, it says this, madness Parents can be arrested for not paying for their child's sex transition. This is insane. I believe this is over in the UK. You can find that on Prophecy News Watch. Uh, so you you look at these things, and um, you think, man, this is just, uh, just this is nuts. Be arrested for not paying for for transition of your child, not going along with it. How much everything has turned. But I don't wanna stop here. I wanna show you this other article. If you go to the next slide, please, with Kamala Harris. Look at this, Uh, reduced population. Kamala Harris, verbal slip-up corrected by White House. Of course, this is what this article says, what she said, there's a quote from her. Kamala, little Kamala. When President Biden and I took office, we set an ambitious goal. I mean, you can hear, we set an ambitious goal to cut our greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 and reach net zero emissions by 2050. Then she probably giggled after that. (laughs) So Harris told an audience at Copen State University in Baltimore, when we, then here's her quote, continuing, when we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. I'm sure she giggled at that point. Now the White House says, well, she didn't really mean to say, reduce the population. She meant to say, reduce pollution. Well, I, listen, whatever. You got cocaine in the White House at the cover up, been going on for a long time. You got Joe Biden who doesn't even know he's there. Got all these different things that are happening, man. What a mess. Go to this next slide, um, number nine. Look at this, globalists suggest financial shock, and climate controls to launch their Great Reset. Now listen to this. At the, at, the end of a June government, at the end of June, government leaders and think tank power brokers from around the world met at the Summit for New Global Financing Pact in Paris. Antonio Guterres, uh, uh, just Janet Yellen, just on down the list. The supposed purpose of the summit was to find financial solutions to the goals of tackling poverty while simultaneously curbing planet heating emissions. As with all climate change-related events, the discussion in Paris inevitably turned to international centralization of power and the formation of a global consortium to fix the problems that they claim sovereign nations cannot or will not fix. However, what I'm seeing more and more in the past couple of years is a convergence of narratives. Central banks... And international banks are now suddenly more concerned with carbon taxation and global warming than they seem to be concerned with stagflation and economic collapse. Likely because this was the goal all along, and economic collapse is part of the plan. Continuing, globalists are now combining the climate change issue with international finance and monetary authority. In other words, they aren't hiding the fact that the climate change agenda is part of the Great Reset agenda and more. Remember when Klaus Schwab came out with his Great Reset book, and uh, now's the time to do it based on COVID. Now they're starting to admit it's starting to come out. Uh, climate change is all part of that Agenda 2030. Darn right, it's all part of it. They are even suggest. In fact, it's it. They are even suggesting that the threat of climate change be used as a springboard. Get this for giving global banks more power to dictate the circulation of wealth, and for deconstructing the existing system so it can be replaced with something else. Gee, what a shocker. French President Emmanuel Macron told delegates at the Paris summit that the world needs a public finance shock. The world, did you hear that? The world needs a public finance shock to fight global warming while also creating equity for less wealthy nations. He also argued that the current system was not well suited to address the world's challenges. A global global shock to fight global warming while also creating equity for less wealthy nations. What this is, is wealth redistribution. Listen, none of this, what we are seeing with Agenda 2030, climate change, the global economic uh, problems that I believe have been intentionally created, it's not about bringing third world countries up to the standards of the Western world. It's about bringing the Western world standards and the more advanced nations down to third world country status. Why? It's control the masses. They're all going to be slaves. That's the, what they want. The elite will be at the top. Hence, Revelation chapter six. There will be this the rider on the black horse, global famine. Global economic catastrophe, but don't harm the oil or the wine. In other words, the elite people at the top can be running the whole thing. Presenters at the event, continues, noted that the international economic framework had been battered by a number of crises, including the pandemic and the war in Ukraine. All these things they created, um, but focused on the spiraling cost of weather disasters intensified by global warming as a reason ongoing destabilization of financial systems almost unbelievable all the global uh, catastrophes of the climate they're the reason why we have a global economic destabilization thing going on right now these people are liars This writer continues, this this is obviously nonsense. I totally agree. But it fits with the narrative programming that globalists are trying to engineer by linking economic decline to global change. In reality, there's zero evidence to support this. Absolutely. So you look at it. I'm telling you, it's an engineered global catastrophe that's taking place economically and they're blaming everything, saying they're gonna blame everything they can on climate change. Why is that? Because it's going to give Agenda 20. it's gonna give them the power to enforce Agenda 2030. Listen, this week at um, San Marcos, at the Prophecy Conference there, if you're not able to join us in person, listen, I encourage you to join us online. It's gonna be great, but I'm gonna do a message I've never done before. It'll be the first time I've done this particular message. And I'm going to connect the dots with what's going on with the 17 sustainable development goals with everything that we see happening and where all of this is going. Because I'm telling you right now, this whole thing, all 17 SDGs of Agenda 2030, all of them are a plan to enslave the masses of the people, all sold as a bill of goods for us as if, hey... um, as if it's going to be for our good. And by the way, if you are able to join us live stream, it's good for it's good for thirty days. So you don't even have to be available um, during the conference to be able to watch it. So full thirty days. I hope that you can join us. And everybody's coming to teach. Listen, we want you to be educated. John Holler, Billy Crone, Brandon Holthouse, Don Perkins, Scott Townsend, uh, Greg Denham, myself, and we we want you to be really encouraged. And and I hope that you can join us. But um, I look at all of these things that are going on and uh, you start putting, you start connecting the dots. Folks, that's why we do this. We, we, we take the Bible and we run everything, run everything you see through the Bible, right? There's people out there right now, pastors out there saying, you shouldn't look at these things through the lens of the Bible, the news. You shouldn't look at the things that, uh, that any, any of the things are happening through the lens of the Bible. Yet they'll tell you, well, you need to run your life through the Bible, right? You need to love your neighbor. You need to do this. You need to do that. But none of the warnings or judgments. You sh- nope, you shouldn't do any of those things. Folks, this is what we have the Bible for. It's for living now in, in light of eternity and understanding that the Bible has over 800 prophecies regarding the events of the second coming of Christ. Why so many? Because God wants us to know. He wants us to be prepared. Nowhere. Does he say, hey, I don't want you to know anything that's going on. It's just the opposite. He tells us to watch and be ready. And if we run everything that we see through the lens of the Bible, then we can make sense of things and go, aha, uh, the Bible told us that things were going to be this way. Listen, I want to take your questions, so if you could send them in wherever you're watching, if you could send them in right now, uh, that would be great. Love to take them. So let's get going, whether you're YouTube, the app, the the um, Website, wherever it may be, send in your questions. I'll take them. So, when I look at all of these different things that are happening, you look at um, Daniel chapter five and you think God crashes the party. <laughs> He's going to crash this party. And you want to know something? This is kind of cool. Um, just found out today, one of our guys, Noah, found out that the very first video that we did for Hope for Our Times was. This uh, was July 15th, so uh, 2015, so eight years ago. And, you know, we were just doing, we had 16 views the first time. I remember sometime 11 views. And we just trucked along real slowly, persistently, got up to 50 views and and, and everything. And we didn't get real serious about it until COVID hit. And that's when we said, hey, um, let's really get serious about this. The world needs to know the truth about everything that's going on. So I look at it where we were now, when we were doing things and doing this and doing that to where we are nine years later and praise God, I wanna thank you guys for sticking with us over the years. Uh, we've, we've never turned to the left or right. It's always been about the word and running everything through the word. We've never veered to the left or right. Um, uh, and I wanna thank you for just being with us, for supporting us for ministering, for your encouraging words, people getting saved uh, all over the world where we're, we have several different um, podcasts that we're on now too. Uh, and it's it's really cool just to see what God has done, but to know that together we're pressing forward with the hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but let me get to your questions. And again, I wanna thank you guys. Uh, boy, got a lot of questions coming in. Let me see if I can pull this. How do we, oh, I lost it. Um Let's see, question, can you help me differentiate between Hades, the pit, and Sheol, hell? So r- real simple, when you think of Hades, Sheol is Old Testament word, by the way. So let's go with that first of all in your mind. Think Old Testament, when you think of Hades, you're thinking a New Testament term. And really when, when um, it was a term that applied really to a holding tank, if you can think of it that way, when you, you start putting the whole thing together. Hades isn't speaking so much of the eternal torment of the great white throne judgment. Um, And Shul has a similar concept from the Old Testament. But let let me put it to you this way. Um, When, uh, before I was a believer in Christ, got to go back 35, 40 years, got saved 35 years ago. I got arrested one time for I lied to a cop and they threw me in jail. The, the judge, why do you lie to a peace officer? Anyways, I, I just, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I did it. And uh, I ended up in jail, but my brother-in-law bailed me out of jail. And uh, so he, so I was in a holding tank. And while I was in the holding tank, what had happened was I was released from that jail. My brother-in-law bailed me out. Um, when a person in the Old Testament dies. They were waiting for uh, Jesus Christ to come and to be resurrected. They were held until the ransom was paid, right? But the problem was in the holding tank, this is something else that happened, is there were people that came through the holding tank. They were already in a jail cell somewhere else. But I would, they would come through. Just in my 12 hours, I was in there. I saw several different people coming through there. They're already in the big jail but they're getting ready to go before a judge and have their sentence to the big house, right? They're in the big jail, they're getting ready to go to the big house, uh, the big prison. And um, I was let out. My, My debt was paid and I was let out. I didn't go into a place of torment. I was just held there until I was released. I didn't go to a place of torment, I was just holding there. The people who came through there for their sentencing, they were already in a worse jail than I was. I was just in a holding tank. They were in a bad jail, but they were about ready to go into a worse jail, a big jail, a, a big prison, does that make sense? With the, as they were, came through my presence to go before a judge and the judge was going to give them their final sentencing. Um, so, I hope that, that, uh, uh, that that's the simplest way I could do it. I'm sure I could do a whole message or two on it. Um, Wade Whitaker, do you preach salvation according to Acts chapter 2, verse 38? Well, the first thing that we do is go over to Acts chapter 2 and see what does Acts chapter 2, verse 38 say? Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says this Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I believe you are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe in salvation of, by baptism, by water baptism. I believe that the moment a person is saved in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in them. I believe that's very clear in the Bible. And, uh, but at the same time, I also believe there's a lot of people out there that have been saved in the Lord Jesus Christ but they have not yet been water baptized. My question to you, if you've never been water baptized, would be why not? Because water baptism is an act of repentance. It's an act of surrender to Christ. It's a visible outward sign that you have received Christ to be your Lord and Savior. So if a person says, I've received Christ, but they say, I don't want to be baptized, I say, there's a problem with that. Um, I don't believe we're saved by baptism, but a person that is saved would want to be baptized. It's like the two, in a sense, go hand in hand, although baptism in and of itself does not save a person. Patricia Crawley says, God waiting a bit longer uh, to rapture us allows more to accept salvation, but at the same time, more kids reach age of accountability and many of them will be lost. Shouldn't he just come ASAP? Well, Um, I mean, no, I mean, God's going to come at the perfect timing. So we have our, what we think our perfect timing is, God knows what the perfect time is. So when I look at my own children, I would say now both of my own children, they're past the age of accountability, whatever that age may be. You know, the Bible doesn't actually say there is an age of accountability. But the, the thought is, Uh, When a person is too young or doesn't have the mental capacity to understand sin and forgiveness and repentance yet, then they um, um, are covered by the blood of Christ uh, in in that regard. So when they're past that stage, as both of my kids are, they need to make their own decision to receive Christ. Um, Listen, I praise God that he's on the throne and he doesn't do things according to my timing. And, and I look at it even with my own children, uh, who I believe have both received Christ, but ultimately it's up to them. I told my son, I said, listen, you got to have your own relationship with Christ. You know, my, my kids attend church a lot because I'm a pastor, right? They're there all the time. And I said, church isn't a club. It's not going to protect you from, from hell or anything like that. Each one of you needs your own relationship with Christ. You got to know him yourself. But I, I just, I, I, as much as I want the Lord to call us home right now, I praise God it's going to be in his timing because I've learned something God knows a lot better than me, whether it be the timing of uh, the rapture or pretty much anything else that's been done in my life. I praise God that he didn't Uh, answer prayers, certain prayers that I prayed a long time ago. Instead, he did something else. He did something that was even better. When you start looking at the course of your life, God knows much better than I do. And uh, and it comes to the timing of the rapture. God knows way better than you and I know. And again, just as you quoted here, God's desire is that none should perish. Um, That's what we need to keep in mind. He is long-suffering. But the day is coming when his patience will run out and God will, even as the title of this message was, he will crash the party. Let me get over to hear some more questions. Uh, Donna Weaver says, uh, with all the conflicts going on in Israel, will Holy Land tours be canceled? Uh, thanks, Tom. Love hearing the news. On uh, Love hearing the news. Let's see. It keeps on disappearing on me. I got to find a better way to do this. I love hearing the news on your site, bless you, uh, listening from Oregon. Uh, thank you, Donna Weaver. I don't know, so so that's a really good question because people cancel tours all the time going to Israel because they hear of unrest. In this case, the unrest that we're hearing of is twofold. One of them is, like the article I read with Damon Duck and uh, civil unrest that's going over in Israel because of judicial reform, that's taking place, listen, I have, uh, I had eight pastor friends that were in Israel during the last judicial reform uh, civil unrest that was taking place. I think it was in March. And I was in contact with all of them. None of them, you just don't go into, you're not going to drive through Tel Aviv where you see 50,000 people hanging out there shouting. Your bus isn't going to go there. You're going to go around it. You you know, it, um, unless you, unless you request, if you're someone crazy like me, you request, hey, I'm going to go check that out. Um same thing with Jerusalem, you go around these areas um, and, you, you, and it's just, that's just unrest. That isn't, they're not, listen, something happened, doesn't happen in Israel, it happens here in America. Here, uh, storefronts are burnt down. Uh, gla- uh, store glass is broken. Buildings are burnt down. People are killed when there's civil unrest here. In Israel, it's a lot more civil than it is here in America. So you just don't see the same type of writing. What's portrayed in the news is that. And one thing I want to caution you guys on is that a lot of what's portrayed in the news is, is manipulated by the Biden administration. They want, these globalists want Israel to be portrayed in the worst light possible. So they stir up civil unrest. When Obama was president, uh, he, he, uh, his administration was involved in attempting to make sure that Netanyahu didn't get elected. I remember reporting on it back then during the Obama administration uh, with the voter fraud stuff that was going on at the hands of the Obama uh, Obama administration in Israel. It didn't work. Netanyahu got elected. That was several years ago. Uh, When you look at what's going on in Israel, they're going to portray everything as bad as possible, anti-Israel as possible, and also at the same time, even... Cause it to explode, just like they do here in America, right? You feed the narrative, and that's what they're doing over in Israel. The narrative is being fed, and uh, but there is you do have this uh, civil things that are taking place, and it is uh, inflamed by the the, the Biden the uh, Obama point two point zero administration when when you look at it, uh, and so you have that aspect of it. The other aspect of it there is is, you're probably seeing this on YouTube, anti-missionary videos that are popping up. Listen, Israel's always had this policy not to proselytize when you're in Israel. They want you to come to the land and so forth. Now, when I go over to Israel, I was just there, I'm just going again here in October. I can't wait. I know all of us are going to be blessed. We don't go into any of those hotbed areas but I'm always gonna be able to share my faith. I've never been shut down on sharing my faith, but there are some groups over there, usually connected with the Haredi, That, quite frankly, they hate you and they hate me. They, They don't like Messianic Jews at all. Messianic Jews, those are Jews that come to faith in Christ, are the ones who are really suffering the persecution through all this right now. And the attacks against missionaries and Messianic Jews is increasing. I have a lot of Messianic Jewish friends over in Israel. I get news from them. They, they, uh, so I, I hear these things. They are increasing. But again, when it comes to Israel, I mean, I'm not going to cancel the tour because I'm not planning on going into the areas where any of the riots break out. Uh, just like I'm not going to take a group. Hold on one second. Thank you. I'm not going to take a group down to Gaza, right? Now, I went down to the border of Gaza myself, and went in the the, the ground zero of that one rocket attack. I've told you about that already, um, but uh, I'm not going to take a group down there, right? So when you look, you're not going to have this group protesting at Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee on your boat. Uh, you, you're you're not going to have those things uh, in the Garden Tomb. These things aren't going to happen in Jerusalem. It'll be you can see you'll see the Heredi and you'll see things, but that's, I mean, you have all the different religions gathering together of the world. Man, Jerusalem is a hotbed and of all these different religions, and it's pretty fantastic to actually see. And you start finding out something that most of the Jews, most of the Christians, and most of the Muslims, they really want to get along. But you always have these small pockets of people who do like, who do like to stir up and cause trouble uh, whenever they can. So, I'm looking forward to going to Israel in October. I think it's going to be wonderful. I'll also have a wonderful time there. So listen, I've been going for almost an hour. I don't want to take up uh, any more of your time. Now, tomorrow, I can't remember who's on with me this week. Let me find out here for you. Don't go away yet. I want you to know who's coming on this week. Listen, again, we'll be at the conference, Southern California conference coming up here this weekend. I can't wait. Uh, for all of you who can join us, even join us live stream, Bill Koenig is with me tomorrow. Oh, that's going to be uh, way off the charts. So uh, I haven't had Bill Koenig on in quite a while. That's going to be exciting. Bill Koenig's going to be joining us in the Texas conference, along with Dr. Andy Woods and several others. So lots of exciting things happening. Look forward to seeing you all tomorrow. Going to be absolutely um, terrific. I think, wait, I think Tuesday, I'm not sure. I think Tuesday is Britt Gillette. Um, so it's going to be an exciting week. Join me. Can't wait to see you guys. Thank you for joining me tonight. Hey, listen, don't forget subscribe and share this video too. Um, that's how we get the word out. Subscribe and share. God bless you guys. Thank you. Peace out. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer.